It's the ancient word on Swedenborg Live. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. We are going to dig into the Monday topic that we had, the earliest source of ancient wisdom and how it was lost-ish. Depends on what you're all asking about. Hey, and answering these questions with me is going to be this awesome panel that we have this week. Hello, everybody. Hey, Curtis. I'm Cara Dom. A Latin consultant and a community care team member for the channel. Hello, I'm Karen Childs, a writer for Off the Left Eye and community care manager, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm Chelsea Odner, and I'm thrilled to be here. I'm the director of content strategy for Off the Left Eye and love getting to respond to people's questions. Do you want us to talk about what's on your mind? Just if you're just hang out in the YouTube chat, write in your question, and we'll uh, we'll put on the docket that everything that we talk about here was asked live. So we really want to know what's going on for you while you are writing your questions. Let me remind you that none of this could happen without your support or a not-for-profit. So the way that we get money, notice you came here and it's free. The way that we get money is all of you contributing. Uh, to what we're doing. So we're going to play a little game like we play every week. If we raise our goal for today during the show, which our goal is $104, if we raise that during the show, we'll do like an extra 15 minutes of Q&A to say thanks for, for doing it. It really, it's the, the funding goes into all of our programs. So it's just us getting you back just a little bit uh, for your support. So go to offtheleftdie.com slash donate. For that to get going. Why $104? That seems strange is because we thought we could just wring four extra dollars out of you. Well, it's in honor of our quote for the day, which is sacred scripture 104. So we had this show this past week about this thing called the ancient word. Uh, it perceived what you now know as the Bible. This was the spiritual precursor to that. And this is the two different iterations of the word as Swedenborg described it. And God is always making sure that there's the word. It was some kind of revelation somewhere in the world. This is, this is what sacred scripture 104 is all about. There can be no union with heaven unless somewhere on our planet, there's a church where the word is present and the Lord is known by means of it. That is because the Lord is the God of heaven and earth. And there is no salvation apart from the Lord. So we're thinking about heaven, we're thinking about earth, we're thinking about salvation. We're in good shape. Okay, let's hear what's on your mind. Uh, before we even listen to what your questions are live in the chat, let's see what you were thinking over the week. We have a reflection question, which is, do the concepts of correspondences, analogy, or symbolism play any role in your life? It, is it do anything for you? And this, we asked that question during the week, and this is how you all responded. Karin, what, what did people say to that? I'm actually... Pretty curious. Yeah, here are some of the responses that came in. Uh, first one, the concept of correspondences has become a counterweight to some intrusive nihilistic thoughts I sometimes have. Correspondences and symbolism help me see that there's actually a meaning and a purpose in every single thing around me. Mm. Yes, after I read Swedenborg works, I realized the science of correspondences has always been with humanity, but most underdeveloped with the present age, save for negative situations, which then discourages the use of correspondence as it's seen as hiding information for illegal and ill operations and ill benefits. Mm. 
The realization gained is that it's an area of life that I have since laid emphasis to develop. The Swedenborg revelations are not growing old. It's now four years. <laughs> that's great. Nice. That's fun. So if anything you can put up with for four years. <laughs> it's promising. Yep. Yep. Yes. They, uh, correspondences, encourage me to look deeper and to be humble, knowing that things are more complex than my outer self tends to want to make them. Yeah. Mm. They play a huge part in my life. They make me feel connected to the spiritual world, help recognize signs that someone is watching over me, help me to interpret dreams. It is comforting and at the same time helpful in guiding me to becoming a better person. That's great. That's awesome. I give a lot of importance to dreams and they do talk in the language of symbolism. It's especially relevant as I often dream about religious figures or concepts. I have no idea if the God or Satan I see in my dreams are the real ones or if they are just reflections of my thoughts, but I sure spend a lot of time thinking about what this might mean and the things they say or do in the dreams. I can also see the evolution of those figures as my worldview changes. God and Satan do not look or act the same as a few years ago. Hmm. And since my dreams contribute to those changes, it's a symbolism feedback loop. Yeah, that's cool how it uh, changes as a person's perspective changes. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. I don't think a day goes by that I don't contemplate some correspondence or recognize a new one. Even as a child, whenever I desired to understand something, my mind would explain it to me in correspondences. They are my favorite thing about creation. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. I think constantly about correspondences. My thought is they can be used to help improve technology on a discrete level in a way that reduces the burden being put on the planet and ourselves. Oh, that's mm. a thought that we could be incorporating this into inventing. I like Swedenborg's revelations about all kinds of correspondences between heaven and earth, including gold, silver, trees, flowers, and gardens. Yeah, so many beautiful symbols. I use these gifts to console myself that the things I go through in life are by design. Well, that's cool because there is a design to creation that can help us remember the design of our lives. And finally, you cannot read or understand the Bible fully without at least some knowledge of correspondences. Also, correspondence is the language of our dreams because spirits always speak and communicate with us in symbols. Projecting the light of correspondence on anything in the universe will reveal deep secrets about it. Oh, that's great because, yeah, we were talking about in our show that this is actually a language that if we could regain this language that is the language we could talk to the other world with this language of correspondences how complex is everybody's inner life i know you just like because there's so many people oh there's whatever millions and millions of people living in the county that you live in so you just get numb to the idea of people if you have so much going on man okay that's awesome Check out the podcast. There's some related material in there. Uh, this, uh, this coming Sunday's Inside After Left Eye podcast talks about, or the title is How Meditating on the Bible Connected Swedenborg to Spirits. And do we answer that question in that one, Chelsea, or do you delve into yeah. that directly? No, yeah, we do. We answered it. We both answered it. So yeah, people oh. can listen to hear that. If It must have been an awesome answer, you know, <laughs> um, if, if I'm barely remembering it. But, but if you're curious... 
do do we get anything out of correspondences? Check that. We out. don't even know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm so heartened that people are are digging and and using the the correspondences because it's this thing that's like it's pretty technical, but could have this great potential. And the idea someone's talking about using it in technology. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. Question and answer time begins now. This is from Colin Vickers, who asks, what's the scoop on hereditary evil? Are there different flavors for different ethnic groups slash family lineages, or is it generally applied to humanity? If anyone's not familiar with hereditary evil, also sometimes translated inherited evil, Swedenborg talks about us having almost like the spiritual equivalent to genetically passed down tendencies toward particular kinds of evil. Isn't that great? So that people have, certain people have to struggle with things, but yeah. Is that like genetics that can determine different physical traits? Is that, is it preserved in particular people or can you just pick up a, a heredity from anywhere? What's the answer? Karen, do you know? I really think it helps to just compare it to genetic tendencies towards diseases. You know, any, all of us um, can benefit from learning like what are, what is my physical lineage um, tending towards as far as cancers or heart disease or something that there's just things that are stronger in some families and, and other, other tendencies are stronger in other families. And just, uh, yeah, it just gets passed down through our genetics and on this physical level. And um, that can be helpful to realize because then the more you learn about your family tendencies, the more you can be aware of them. That's why your doctor wants to have that chart that you fill out like, has your mother's sister had cancer or something, you know, just to know what what are the possibilities that might manifest that we can be watching out for. And you can really think about um, hereditary evil in the same way that we do have these family lineages where our, our spirits have been affected by our ancestors. You know, when things get passed down, tendencies, habits, uh, t- ways of thinking, uh, ways of reacting. Uh, we know this, you know, you know, you can have habits like your, <laughs> your parents or your grandparents or your uncles or something. And uh, we, we get a lot of positive things, but we definitely get negative things. And the more we, um, can get aware of that, the more empowered we are to not have that determine who we are because we can choose to rise above that heredity or you know get that purified. And so it's um, really not a negative thing to realize. It, it can be, uh, I, I, actually one of our viewers once said she was so, uh, she loved the idea of hereditary evil because that took away, for her it took away this like, what's going on? Why am I (laughs) such a jerk sometimes or whatever? It just went, it just sort of took that burden off like, oh, you know, we inherit these things and she didn't have to own it. Then you can uh, just go forward, just being aware. And it makes it, it empowers you to choose differently and just to um, reboot that heredity into something more positive. So there's some thoughts. Yeah, because you just know it's just my mom and dad's fault that I'm like this. <laughs> no, I love it that that you know the doctor's questionnaire where they just you're filling out your new patient information. There's this huge long form, and they want to know all this. What's your medical history of all your relatives? And you're oh, got to fill this out. But shouldn't we have that for 
Didn't somebody at some point tell you, by the way, your, your grandpa on your mom's side had love of self and love of the world and your grandma. Because <laughs> that would be nice for me to know what I'm looking out for and to be able to identify things though, right on. Okay. Any, any other thoughts on, on the transmission of hereditary evil, Clara? Yeah. Um, I think in addition to what Karen said, I think there is a sort of general, um, <clears throat> a, a general situation with the whole human condition, <clears throat> pardon me, Swedenborg says that we are all inclined to evils of every kind, which does not mean we are evil of every kind, but that just being a human being gives us these inclinations towards certain things. And I can see it in my two-year-old granddaughter she just wants to hit her little brother on the head and take away his toys and push him down the stairs. And, you know, I mean, she's interested in protecting her own interests. <laughs> That's what she's about at two years old. And we all have that, you know, and that, and so as we grow up, we learn, oh, and we get to make those choices about how we um, respond to those inclinations that we're born with. So, um, but I, I'd like to remember that we're not just born evil. We're born with inclinations in that direction. And we get to choose whether we incorporate that into our lives or not. Yeah. So we're born a little bit evil, but it's fine. Yeah. Like you're describing what that sweet little girl is doing, as does every little kid. And and it's just like, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? that's right. It's, right. it's just a part of the human condition. And, and you know, it's okay. It's here. And it's great. And our job is to, as it gets less cute, as we get bigger, to try to stem the tide a little bit. But it's, it's not something to worry about. It's just what it is to be a person. Exactly. Yes. Thanks. I want, I wanted to add that, um, uh, Swedenborg also says that uh, we are not spiritually responsible for just the tendencies we were born with. And when we're children and unable to rationally understand, <laughs> you know, these things and stuff, we're not responsible. And when we come into full adulthood, then we're just responsible for what we choose to indulge in. Like if you feel that urge and, and whatever, uh, that you're not responsible for that, for yelling at somebody or whatever, because <laughs> that tendency runs in your family. Um, and as Cara was saying, these tendencies uh, are in all of us, but it's just when you as an individual making free will choices choose to indulge that, then they start to become a part of your spirit. And so that's why it's uh, this process of repentance is so important just to be aware, just to, to be looking down on those knee-jerk reactions and deciding, hmm, I don't think, you know, do I want to be that or not? And just be making those decisions because when we, something comes up, but we just we refuse, refuse to act on it, then that is not, you know, then the Lord can be taking that out of our, our aura. <laughs> and uh, it, if we choose to act on it, then it's getting a little more stuck. And, um, you know, we have all of life to uh, get a, start getting a handle on these habits and realizing them and everything. So it's a gradual process, but um, when we're not aware of them, we're not responsible, but when we are coming to be aware, then, then we need to be making choices away from that. Very well said. Um, this 
makes me think, um, though, that I don't know if we've addressed the second part of the question, different flavors for different ethnic groups and family lineages. We talk about families a bit, but I don't know if Swedenborg talks about ethnic groups, but he does talk about countries in Europe. Uh, he was living in Europe and he does make generalizations about the character of different people, like the Swedes, who he, he was the Swede himself, the British. And I'm trying to, the one, I'm, the one that's popping to mind is he talks about this, how the state of their country, like the, the British had a freer press system at that time that actually created uh, uh, spiritual openness to spiritual light in their minds. I don't, I'm sure there would be something uh, like that, but I don't know if he says too much specifically about it. Um, anyway, but let's move on because um, this is my favorite part of the show, which is where I get to remind everybody that we're not to our goal yet. So we got to keep giving and wait, what's that? Oh, we already passed our goal. <laughs> we had two anonymous donations and we're at $154. Oh, well. Way above our goal. So thank you, anonymous times two. We appreciate it. You, what you have done supported our programming, but you also got 15 extra minutes of this for what, you know, whether you're regretting that now for everybody. Um, so, hey, let's go to the next question. This is from The Cube. The Cube is asking this, are we all one consciousness? Because there is only the appearance of time and space in the spiritual world. Oh, like how do I know that I'm different from all of you? Well, one way I know is you're all in your rooms and I'm in this room. But if there's no rooms, yeah, Chelsea, what do you think? Um, well, what this brings to my mind is uh, that, you know, the sort of core elements of God or way you can think about the infinite is that it's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Um, and so I think we are certainly all one consciousness. We all come from the one consciousness that is... Uh, the divine human one. Um, and, and so, but there is such this, uh, joyful delight in having different people have their own experience of consciousness. Um, you know, we think of things as if of ourselves and we have this own, our own sense of self. So, um, there's that, uh, you know, boundary to our sense of self, but it receives its life from the Lord who is, the one consciousness and uh or big c consciousness and um and one way so that you know one way swedenborg describes it is that even our inner self is the lord so there's there definitely is even if we have our own sense of self we are hooked up um he describes how angels can be open inside of themselves all the way to the lord um and and so uh I think that's sort of the beauty. He also just describes angels and their sense of self as becoming more and more translucent as they become um, regenerated. Like if you think of it as a gem, it's more able to let the light through. Um, and, and so that's, so we're, yeah, we're all tapping into that. And, and the Lord, I mean, and Swedenborg writes about how part of the design is that things, life just gets better and better. The more we, root ourselves in that one consciousness. Um, and, uh, so, so that's, that's the case. I don't know. I don't have exactly a thought on the appearance of time and space in the spiritual world, but we're definitely all functioning from one mega big C consciousness or whatever you want to call it. 
I love that you brought up translucency. I was just yesterday, no, two days ago, going over with my daughter. We she got this little um, kit with a bunch of kinds of rock in it, you know, like pyrite and all those cool looking rocks. And we turned on my phone flashlight, and every time there was one you could see through, that was so exciting. Like, look, you, this is so solid, and you can that you can see light through it. That's so exciting. Just gets me to the excitement of how much better life can get when the Lord is going through. And I love that you mentioned the angels open all the way back up to the Lord in a recent news from heaven, or maybe one that hasn't even debuted yet. I was going through somewhere where Swedenborg talked about even angels' words opening all the way back to the Lord. Every word that comes out of their mouth does that. So pretty cool to, you know, like have us and you can see, oh, the Lord is shining through just like a phone flashlight. Cara, what do you think? Those are wonderful images. I'm I'm thinking about the fact that the whole reason we're here on this earth is to <clears throat> give our, you know, uh, receive our own little pocket for this divine consciousness, um, and the physicality of being on this earth and getting sort of an envelope for our souls um, seems to be what Swedenborg talks about. So somehow we can still maintain, we'll still maintain an individuality in the other world, even though we are all one. One of those paradoxes that Swedenborg discusses. So. What is that in one of the memorable relations or one of Swedenborg's stories where some people are upset and they say, you're speaking paradoxes against our paradoxes. <laughs> it's all paradigm, whatever the plural is. Karin. Yes, about the, you know, I think earthly minds can't really grasp how individuality works in the spiritual realm where uh, you're right, there isn't time and space like there is in uh, fixed time and space. And yet there is something you might think of it more as um, vibration or something that does still allow people to be individuals uh, like you all were saying, um, different ways that this divine consciousness can flow through because what God has created is wanting us to feel enough individuality that we can enjoy loving each other and helping each other. But at the same time, like you were talking about this translucency, there's also this deepening joy as you more and more realize <laughs> getting higher and higher in the heavenly levels that it is the Lord uh, flowing through. And that just gets so blissful because you can more and more feel the Lord's love for that person and the Lord's love coming through that person for you, which is, which is uh, more love than we can <laughs> imagine. And um, I, I thought of one other analogy about how we can be uh, all from one consciousness and yet still individuals. I think, I think Swedenborg's used this analogy of a, a soul in a body. Like if I just think of myself, I've got this soul that's activating every cell in my body. That's why it's alive and doing things, but every cell is responding in its own way to that life force. And of course, then you take that back, that, that God is really the soul, the life force in each one of us, but we're all responding to that in a unique way that then works together in this wonderful grand human thing. <laughs> so definitely one consciousness running it all, fueling it all, inspiring it all. And yet we also get the 
the fun of being able to respond in unique ways. Yeah, if I'm gonna design, let's say I, I'm Curtis and I'm gonna design a way to be conscious and be happy. Okay, I'm just gonna think of it from the ground up. I would think of a way it would be okay. It wouldn't be that good. If somebody that's like twice as smart about consciousness as me thought up a way to be a happy being, it'd be twice as good. So God is the smartest thing you can possibly imagine. So whatever this, it may seem a little strange. Wait, is this sort of balancing act between individuality and oneness? Why that? The reason why is it's the happiest way you can possibly exist. Something about that dynamic is like the most satisfying, best way to live. That's why God is doing it like this. Um, cause that, that's why God does things. Um, and I was going to say one last thing about, um, the appearance of time and space in the spiritual world. Yeah, it doesn't, time and space don't function like they do here, but they still are indicators of difference that he says, there's not space. Like we have it here. Space here is arbitrary. It, it has nothing to do with the consciousness of people it has nothing to do with thoughts and feelings. It's just inches on a ruler or centimeters. And there, there's, there, people can be very far apart, and it's a real distance, but it's not a space distance. It's a distance in heart, which creates something you can perceive with senses as a distance in space. So there is, like, difference there, but it's a different, different kind of difference, distance. Okay, let's, uh, let's do one more before we get to our halftime raffle giveaway extravaganza. <laughs> This is from Rigel Piglet, who asks, the ancients had a much deeper working knowledge of correspondences. They were, were routinely used to produce tangible results or magic. Do you think that God intends for us to recover that ability? Good reference, Rigel Piglet. That is, Swedenborg describes what he calls magic coming out of this. Often he describes it in a negative context, but do you think we could get some Good Harry Potter style magic coming back. Karen, what do you think? Yes, uh, Swedenborg will often use that word in a negative way because he's talking about uh, the downfall of the use of correspondences when people started getting more corrupt, self-centered agendas and then were using that knowledge to manipulate creation to achieve their own agendas. And that's what Swedenborg's talking about when he says magic. Um, he's talking about the, you know, like those magicians in Egypt and that Moses was <laughs> interacting with and things. Um, but I think that you might, he, Swedenborg might use a different word for it, but I, but definitely I feel like, for instance, we had a show about the, the miracles that Jesus did and the reasons those miracles happened was just this flow of correspondence. Like there was a, a, a good desire, a very good divine agenda going on. And just the way things work is that just flowed into something happening, like all these loaves of bread. And I mean, these small amount of loaves of bread and fish turned into tons and tons of food for thousands of people. Healings happened. Um, walking on the water happened. And um, I think that, that that was the way things were created to be. Like if we lived in most ancient times, what would seem normal then would not seem like magic. It would just seem like this is the way things work. You know, that uh, it would be a, a 
a different flow of correspondence into the natural world than I think we experience today. And I'm so intrigued by a vision of the future that Howard Storm was shown in his, um, in his near-death experience by the angels in which people were able to just, um, you know, think and make food grow out of the ground to eat and travel the universe without leaving their bodies like astral travel and collectively um, control the weather because it was all for good. Like this was a, this is a, like a future golden age thing. And I think that when the desires are good, then that, that starts to open up that flow again. And what we would maybe think of as like uh, impossible magic um, might become <laughs> just normal again. Think of healings and just, we're just starting to investigate energy healing type methods. Um, and there's, there's definitely something to that. Is that the beginnings of starting to bring this correspondence when there's a, a desire to help somebody, to heal somebody, finding the ways that that can flow, you know, through, through, <laughs> uh, from spiritual into, into physical. So I do think there's something that could be um, gotten back to that will look different than what we think of as the laws of physical, the physical world, um, as they are today. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, that is awesome. And the, what it's bringing to my mind too, is that like what the ancients didn't have, uh, and this is sort of, I think, where the where God is able to bring good things out of everything. You know, Swedenborg describes that, you know, uh, our planet is sort of the most externally focused. Like we, we've really sort of turned ourselves away from spiritual reality to an extreme that beings in other parts of the created universe have not uh, to such an extent. But through that sort of hyper emphasis on the external world. I think a part of that is we've developed the, the sciences, the earthly sciences and physical sciences. So it's sort of tapped us into actually this enormous amount of wisdom that's always there. But, um, you know, I mean, there were obviously in ancient times, people who did have really advanced understandings of the way uh, the world worked, but they weren't making lasers like we are today, or they weren't, you know, doing virtual reality headsets, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, but that, that's one of the things Swedenborg describes is that there's this, uh, you know, part of this era that he says we're living into that is what you would call the second coming or the coming of the new church is this ability to marry those two things like that, that uh, inner intuitive perception that the ancients had, but then layering on or like uh, regenerating this aspect of us that got so hyper-focused on the material world and material things. Um, so to connect that with that inner wisdom and love then becomes this beautiful thing where we can be using, we can be engaging with the way the world works and understanding how it works at the same time. And that's gonna even leverage us up to you know, maybe be able to realize the kind of things Karin was describing from Howard Storm's NDE, but, um, you know, whatever that pathway is, uh, I think, I think it's going to be that, that marriage between, um, sort of an enlightened, um, <laughs> kind of, uh, ge genuine science, you know, that 
uh, and, and, a, and an awareness, you know, not manipulating things for selfish ends, um, but, uh, for, for the common good. Um, and, and so that's, that, that's exciting to think about. I love that. Which is it? Which is the human ideal? There's sort of two that I feel like in pop culture exist. One is we're all living very close to nature and we're, we're back to kind of primitive stuff, but yet we have these sort of visions and spiritual abilities, or is it that everything's shiny and made of glass and high tech and we can travel to outer space? What if it was both? Like what if we were able, what if because we've been on this technology journey, if we get this heart stuff going again, I bet the two of them together could do some really awesome things before I want to go back to Karin for a final thought, but first people are donating money and we've got to do something about it. Um, <laughs> that Ruth, Ruth donated and she had a message where she said that she loves you guys. So wow. that's all of us. And it's all of you. It's everyone. Thank you so much, Ruth. <laughs> Jeff gave, we're at a total of $229. Now Jeff says given with love and respect to your wonderful team. Right back at you, Jeff. So, okay, Karin, I want to hear what, what you were going to say, and then, then we're going to do our raffle, extreme raffle. Yeah, I, I, I love what Chelsea's saying about just uh, this path back to it. will Because Swedenborg talks about this new church era uh, is going to be kind of accessing back to some of that um, goodness of past eras, and yet with more... Um, maturity and understanding. And you notice how technology is starting to get less and less, uh, oh, you know, more and more wireless things, more and more things that are getting towards uh, interacting with actually the mind, <laughs> the human mind. And, you know, there's fascinating technologies out there that are starting to do that, be more uh, linked with people's consciousness and quantum physics studies like, whoa, there's, so imagine that, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think it's going to be a beautiful, however it turns out, it will be if there's technology or if that just leads us back towards understanding even better how to use in quantum physics sort of ways, our mind to connect with our surroundings, whatever it is, uh, I do think that we're, we're going a path that's going to um, be able to incorporate even more understanding of creation, the creation around us into these uh, spiritual purposes. And just to give even more suspense for those raffles, but I just have another thought, um, which, uh, you know, there's this part of the prayer of like the Lord's kingdom to come, you know, this sort of connection with heaven and earth. And um, one of the ways that Swedenborg describes heaven is he says that there are sort of these two kingdoms of heaven that the heavenly, he says, and the spiritual kingdom, and they have sort of an orientation that's one one is more just uh, super love based and the other is a little more interested in sort of the nuances of wisdom and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and the two work together, you know, beautifully, he says, it's like the heart and the lungs, like you can't have one without the other. And so it's fun to think about the communities in our world getting more and more integrated with each other so that it's not that we're trying to create some, you know, uh, not everybody's going to be interested in the, how do I use my quantum physics knowledge to be able to, you know, whatever, do thought telepathy or something. For some people, it's going to be enough that they know how to do, you know, the energy healing or something like they don't have to know, or they're just going to do it. And that's so anyway, it's just co cool to think about the varieties of human communities that 
we know we already have in our world and that ability for all of those different parts uh, that have expression to become more integrated with each other, um, to have that shared shared knowledge and expertise and, and people just sort of being those expressions of the divine as they are inspired to be. If we can get the purpose, a shared purpose, if everybody buys in to say, yeah, the point of, we have all our different communities, we're all doing this stuff different ways, we're living with different relationships with technology and different population densities, but the point is the welfare of everyone. If we get that, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be super awesome. We're never going to get to the raffles because I have more things to talk to you guys about. Uh, we had anonymous donation. Now we're up to 279 and Ooh. anonymous said, thanks for all you do. It makes a huge difference to me and I'm sure to others. Wow. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate it, everybody. Um, I wish there was something we could give you. Oh yeah. We're going to give you raffle stuff right <laughs> now. So this is, uh, we have three raffles here because there's three different groups of people that we want to honor first thing we want to do is we're going to do our all donor raffle. So all of you who just donated are automatically in the raffle for next month. If you see this after this show and you want to make a donation, you'll be in the raffle for the all donor raffle for next month. This month, the prize for the all donor raffle is a notebook with artwork from the Swedenborg Art Contest winner. You remember a while ago, we had a contest where all of you submitted your Swedenborg inspired art <laughs> and the winner has now been placed in this handy notebook and the notebook goes to Linda Beers. Thank you, Linda, for your contribution. We hope this notebook serves you well and inspires you. Thanks again. Moving on to our new donor raffle. So if you've never donated and you donate for your first time, you're automatically in that month's new donor raffle. We love having people take that step to say, I wanna be part of making this thing happen. And it's a very for the times gift, an off the left eye logo mask. So you can be safe and cool at the very same time. <laughs> this off the left eye logo mask, I would love to get one of those, goes out to Joel Young. Thank you, Joel, for joining our community of donors. Now everyone's gonna know it if you want wear it. <laughs> Maybe you just hang it up somewhere. Because uh, you got color ones. Okay, then finally, we have our monthly recurring donor raffle. If you feel like, oh, I really want to become a reliable part of Off the Left Eye being able to do what it does, consider becoming a monthly recurring donor. So the prize for the monthly recurring donor this time is a record, a custom available nowhere else in the universe recording of a passage done by Chelsea Odner, who's present. Uh, reading a Swedenborg passage with some soothing music. It's an awesome little meditation. And that's going out to Sharon Marshall. Sharon, hope you hey. enjoy. Everyone, thank you for your donations. Uh, and we wish we could give a raffle prize to everyone. But maybe you'll get yours next month if you didn't get yours this month. All right. And you'll get the 15 minutes today. Everybody's <laughs> getting the 15, the 15 minutes. minutes. Which, it just how can you place a value on that? <laughs> Young at Heart asks... Do spiritual communities fall out in the afterlife? Did Swedenborg see any of this? We talk about these communities of people who love each other and get along and all that, but does it last? Karen. Remember that the spiritual world is full of incredible variety and all these um, levels of being. And of course, there's the world of spirits, lots to sort out there. I'm sure there's a lot of... <laughs> things to work out between people, but there's lots of angelic help to do that. 
Um, and then in heaven, there's these three main levels of heaven and the, the lowest heaven, the, the natural heaven um, is very much like earth, but without all the negativity, you know, without active evil or anything. But I think that's the level where Swedenborg has mentioned um, courts that people can go to, to, <laughs> to work out things. Uh, there is actually like courts and judges. And I think it would be not with such negativity and about crime and things, but just more like two people are trying to sort something out and they go to someone who might, who has some wisdom to listen to their different stories and help them work it out. Um, so there, there are ways uh, definitely to work things out. And I think the, the higher you get in the heavens, the more clear everything is, the less there is to work out. And it's more just um, appreciating each other's variety and being, being clear that, um, yeah, here, here's my role, here's your role, and it's all beautiful. You know, I don't, I don't imagine any conflicts in, <laughs> in higher levels, um, but definitely always things to learn about each other that keeps going and also um, personal, uh, you know, cycles of, of purification. So I think um, it, it's, it's, there's great variety, but it, in heaven, there would just be so much more um, awareness of the goodness and the goals of goodness without the, um, the uh, you know, intense negativity can get stirred up here on the earthly level. <laughs> so we'll be a grade above that. We kind of like, like Judge Judy or something, right? No, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's great. I, I love the idea of, yeah, it's a, it's a big varied world just like we have here and there's different levels of cohesion or of permanence, or, you know, to, to these communities, you know, based on where you are and that the strata. Uh, Chelsea or Cara, do you have any other thoughts on it? Oh, Cara, did you want to say something else? You're reminding me of, um, remember that place where Swedenborg talks about um, in the in the highest heaven, the celestial, the heavenly heaven, that's where people from different planets can just intermingle very freely because on that level, there's just nobody's upset about any differences. Um, and it, And so that indicates that a little lower in the heavens, there might be still a little, you know, it's not to the negativity that we, you know, the hatred that can happen in this world, but maybe a little bit less comfort in intermingling as, as you go downward. So um, that was just coming to my mind as you um, talked that uh, I don't think there'd, there'd be active hostility in the heavens ever, but there might be a little discomfort on lower levels and less and less discomfort with <laughs> variety and loving everybody fully uh, as you get in the higher levels. You definitely get some falling out once you get into hell. I, I like literally, I remember there's a, oh, yes. <laughs> a community that's there's city and in the middle of the city are the people who are the most engaged in evil and Swedenborg's talking to somebody there and they say that every once in a while, this mouth to hell opens up in the city and people jump down into it. So there's actually like a literal falling out. He talks about a lot of communities dispersing, uh, especially when you're in sort of the sorting arena of the world of spirits, where it's all kind of, there's so these things that band together and they get moved apart. It's when you get more into your, where, your home, where you really love stuff that you kind of can stick around for a long time. Okay.
Let's talk about Nana Rosebud, who asks, did Swedenborg say anything about forgotten ancient civilizations like Atlantis? Also, did he reference about other gods in ancient history, like the sun god Ra in Egypt? Yeah, is that is he just going to ignore all that stuff? What's going on? Carl, what do you think? I don't think he ever mentions Atlantis. He does refer to uh, Greek and Roman myths, um, uh, Pegasus and some things about that. I'm not sure if he talks about, the, he talks about Egypt a lot and the, and how it was a seat of, um, you know, intense intellectual knowledge. Um, but I'm not recalling that he talks about their gods. One of you could set me straight, Karin. What do you say? Um, I, I don't know if he does, but actually uh, somebody, uh, a new church scholar from a while back wrote a whole book about Egyptian mythology and and the correspondences there and and what the the gods there would represent ra the sun god would represent god the lord as the spiritual sun because swedenborg talks about that a lot and i believe that would come directly from ancient ancient knowledge that um, god manifests as a sun in the spiritual world that's how the creative force first goes out from from god uh, to create the universe so i have no doubt that um that is a symbol of that. And then later people lost the knowledge that that was a symbol of the one, the one creator God and, and divided it up into different gods. Because as we mentioned in our show, um, mythology and all the different gods, according to Swedenborg, was just when uh, people long, long ago used to understand that those, those beings represented different aspects of God. But when that knowledge started to be lost, um, people thought of them as different gods. So the sun god Ra can represent what it was meant to represent, the creative aspect of the one god. Um, and yeah, I, I'd say the, only, the thing he would say about ancient civilizations, he didn't name certain ones, but just said that there were these um, groups in, in various parts of the world that really knew about this, uh, this ancient wisdom of correspondences. And so we just, to my re remembrance, just talks about it in a general way, the, the ancient church, he called it. Correspondences is, he says that Pegasus is a correspondence, that he got a flying horse is about the enlightened intellect, that that stuff was written in, with the same knowledge base as, as the Bible, um, even if right, it had been lost over time. Um, yeah. Great. Let's uh, let's talk about some something else. It is I do love Swedenborg's commentary and inclusion on yeah that there's there is this legitimacy to all the threads of history, all the threads of spiritual history. Um, but yeah, I think that we've we've put a good stamp on that. This is from LCD8, who asks. I know Swedenborg talks about beings living on other planets. Who told you that it's true how, how however why do you think there is no reference in the bible to this doesn't doesn't mention it at all it's we, so why wouldn't it be in there if it's such a an important part of life what do you think karen well there's actually a lot that's not talked about in the literal sense of the bible um most marsupials, of marsupials. it doesn't talk about marsupials <laughs> There's tons of animals not mentioned. Um, 
there's tons of things about the spiritual world that are not mentioned. I mean, there's a few scenes that people have taken to be literal descriptions, but Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. There's really just um, tons of information about the afterlife that isn't spelled out literally in the Bible, as well as, yeah, tons of, uh, think of all the countries in or continents in the world not mentioned in the Bible. So there's a lot not mentioned in the literal sense of the Bible, but we know it, it exists. So I think you can put that also in people, other planets or people on other planets. And I would say that I'm sure in the internal sense, the deeper meaning within the correspondence, the Bible does talk about people on other planets because Swedenborg learned that the, the Bible is put together in such a way that every verse and every word ha- just has tons of information in it about our spiritual lives, also about the spiritual world. So I'm sure it's in there somewhere in the symbolism. Yeah. And I was thinking like the Bible, uh, the point of the Bible, like, I guess we maybe it's maybe it's that quote we read today, the one of four one about like, uh, having the word and, and like that being critical to our salvation, but the knowledge that's in the word is really the knowledge we need to go through regeneration, you know, to grow as from, you know, to become angels. And so that process is what we learn about, um, in, in the Bible and it's, and it's sort of holographic, you know, or is that the word like a fractal, you know, like there's just, there's the, it's all there in the book of, you know, the story of creation. And then it continues and, you know, sort of, you can find that, um, you know, I mean, even Swedenborg says the Lord is present in each of us with his whole being. And I think that's true of the word. You could be in one verse in the word and you sort of have all of the Lord's presence there um, in terms of that, like infinite depth. And, uh, and so that wisdom about our own spiritual process that's that's the value that's in the word that comes through that literal meaning um and that of course applies to any being uh, or or it's that it's that knowledge that is also helping the spiritual lives of other beings on other planets um and uh and i think about you know there's that one verse that talks about like we don't struggle against things of this world but against powers and principalities and things and that uh you know, Swedenborg interacted with spirits from other planets, like the the sort of spiritual world that we're connected to within our own minds. That's sort of what we're struggling with. We're learning how to become ourselves, how to orient ourselves to the Lord and not be just sort of pushed around by, you know, spirits, beliefs and things that aren't true. Um, and and so anyway, I just think that that's universal, you know, that's what comes through the word and that's universal to everybody, no matter, no matter what Bible or revelate, you know, text of revelation that you're reading, that story of salvation is the same. Um, so you can find that anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you guys covered it. You nailed it. I, those are the two things I was hoping we would talk about that. There's so much that's not in the Bible and why the reason is, the Bible is not just a description of everything. It's a description of one very important focused thing, which is the spiritual growth journey uh, that we're on. That, that that's what's important because whether or not there's aliens is really interesting, but 
but it's not as important as how we become angels. You know, because we'll, you, as Karn alluded to earlier, you you meet the aliens in heaven, right? You, everybody's there. So what's important is getting there and doing it. And I'm glad you mentioned fractals because the other day my daughter was like, what's a frozen fractal? And that's a snowflake, like in the, the Let It Go song from Frozen, there's a lyric, it's like frozen fractals all around. So I, was <laughs> like, oh, I think that's so a smart, such a smart song. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I actually, you know, the Frozen music, I, I heard the Frozen music a lot, a long time before I ever saw the movie. So at first I was just like, this isn't as good as like the other Disney songs that I know from the movies I like growing up, but they've definitely grown on me a lot now that I've heard them a trillion times. And so now I'm like, oh yeah, when that first chorus comes in and it's just piano, they kind of hold back on it. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good, but it's got that beat in there. Anyway, let's talk about Charlotte Rose, who asks, what happens to those who commit the unpardonable sin, losing the Holy Ghost's, Ghost's influence? Those who lose the remission of their sins after having the truth. Oh, okay. Is hell forever? Right. The unpardonable sin. Yeah, what is that? That's, you got to know some... some Profanation, stuff. right? I mean, that's that's what she's getting after, I think. Yeah, but isn't that, like, isn't there a Bible verse that, that the unpardonable sin is from? Um. Uh, to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is Jesus saying, I think that's Jesus talking, yeah. cannot be forgiven. And in our, yeah, maybe you are going to start talking about it. No, go ahead, Karn. That's great. Um, in our show uh, about the second commandment, what was it called? The Ten Commandments, God's Name Explained. Um, actually, the same kind of thing's been being talking about, being talked about when it's saying, don't take the Lord's name in vain, because the Lord will not hold him innocent who takes his name in vain. Um, what all this means and blaspheming against the Spirit, Holy Spirit is to take holy principles and holy information and then to use it for evil. Um, we were explaining in that show, that's just like mixing these two things together. Like we had a demonstration in a blender, like you mix two substances together and then you can't like separate them out again. Uh, if you've mixed them, this is, this is called profanation, meaning you've um, taken all your associations with this holy information that help is, is there to help people connect with God in heaven. And if you take that and you corrupt it and use it for evil, then your all your associations with that holy information are connected to evil. And that's, this is why this is such a serious thing. And it, it mixes in your spirit in that way. And so Swedenborg says, God does so much to try to guard people from profaning. <laughs> um, meaning that's why a, a lot of the reason why like the Bible would be so cryptic for so long is like, don't let people know the deeper wisdom if they're not at a, at a, a maturity yet to use it well like if there's if there's chance of uh them using it for evil there's just tons of protections set in um into god's design to try to do everything possible to keep people from profaning and i guess um charlotte is asking what happens if people do that well yeah it's, it's a very serious spiritual um situation because it is just like you have to think of it as as this science like it's so mixed together it can't just be taken apart and um 
as far as hell forever, that's just a long conversation. But I think this explains why it's not a simple answer. Like when people ask, can people get out of hell um, sometime? And Swedenborg sometimes seems to indicate yes and sometimes no. And I think the thing is, it's not a simple thing. It's not like people have just been put in prison for bad behavior and then later they regret it. And <laughs> now they're not let out. You're not letting them out. Like it's not that. It's like, uh, it's like an addiction. Like you, you got your body so uh, dependent on this, this uh, substance that it can't function any other way. You can't just rip it. Like it would be surgery. It would like, like, it's really drastic. It's really, um, uh, it, it can't just be turned around like that. And that's why um, people don't just get out of hell when they've uh, done profanation yet. There's all these, um, Swedenborg said, um, in the old Testament, leprosy represents profanation. And I'm fascinated that there's many chapters in the old Testament talking about how to deal with leprosy and, and, you know, like how to recognize it, what to do. And if it's here, it can be cleansed. And, and that's got to have something to do with how God is, is working carefully with profanation somehow they like, it just says to me, there must be some way that eventually that can be dealt with, but it's, it's a very long, complicated process. Um, and, and it's because a person has uh, completely committed their heart to evil. It's not like, Oh, I regret it. Will you let me out now? It's, it's like, I don't want <laughs> anything except my own power over everybody. So it's, it's a very, their will is very involved. Um, so it's, it, it just has, it takes a very long, complex process to try to untangle that. And God would be working on it all the time to lead people, um, towards a better, a better situation. Um, but it, it's very complicated. <laughs> Can't we cure leprosy now? Do we know, haven't we figured that out? I don't know what the state of leprosy is, but I think, well, all I know is there are diseases that you used to have to just live with, and now we know how to fix them. So if we're talking about the, the progression of the sort of technology and then spiritual, is it that we got profanation, which is really hard for God to sort out, but is God, through the providence of the human race, coming up with ways that that becomes easier to deal with, you know, like, but, so. Yeah. Um, Great thoughts. Yeah. Does anyone else want to weigh in on this? Um, yeah, I was just thinking about um, the part of the question where it's asking, like, do those who uh, those who lose the remission of their sins after having the truth. Um, and there's just that beautiful, I want to say it's in Ezekiel, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's true. Anyway, um, passage and chapter where the Lord talks about, you know, like, um, just when we're in this life that we have the opportunity to turn no matter what, no matter how, uh, like one of the worst things or like arguments that the hells would like us to believe is that we can't change that. What we've done before is too, too big. It's too evil. I've, you know, uh, intoxicated myself too much. Like I accepted too much evil and badness into myself. I've acted out in these really harmful ways. I can't change. Um, that we would believe that that, you know, it's just a life sentence and, and we're done for. Um, but that, that 
that goes, that in itself goes against the truth um, of the Lord's uh, love that we actually are, um, you know, the Lord just does not rest. Our whole lives in this world is the Lord's work to um, help us make that choice to change, to turn our uh, life around um, uh, and and that we have that power now. And that's like, I think about it, that it's like, it's the Bible that's saying this and, and that it's the Bible that's wanting to, you know, if we're, if we're reading this in the Bible, then it means we're not done for, you know, like the Bible is trying to get us to think about it and say, Hey, maybe you could change, you know, or maybe don't go in this direction because, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's not going to be good, you know, later on or whatever, but it's like that, that, is actually, um, you know, there to help us along our path. So it's not, it's certainly not meant to be, uh, you know, to use a teaching from the Bible to think that you have no hope that that is a harmful use of the Bible. Um, and so to, you got to think about it in a different way, you know, <laughs> so that like that, and, and that's what Swedenborg says is that remission of sins, uh, that that is just the Lord all the time. And we can connect with that when we turn our lives around and open up to that. So that's never lost for us entirely. Um, but like what Karin's saying, you know, our love really is our life. So we, it's, that's the sort of empowerment that we want in this world is to use, to, you know, connect to love in, in a, in a positive way while we are in this world. Cause after death, we're just, we kind of are at the mercy of just what we have come to love. So, but that's, that's what, what's happened consciously, you know, like we have to have consciously chosen um, to reject loves, uh, you know, to reject love, to be able to actually, you know, um, make this kind of a choice. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought up that angle. I didn't even think about it. I just thought, well, we were talking theoretically, but Charlotte, if you or anybody else is worried, like, oh no, uh, have I done something that means I just, I'm, I have to go to hell. No, that's not how it works. It, hell, you have to get to hell. You've got to want to go to hell. And the process of like sorting between heaven and hell is it's like, well, heaven has got all this great stuff. It's got houses and bright light and you get to love everyone, but it doesn't have whatever evil thing you love. Hell has all these problems and, but it does have, the evil thing you love and you saying, well, okay, I want to go to hell because I really want that, that thing over. But generally, if you're, if you're concerned about it and you're feeling like you want to do right, then that's, that's heaven. So uh, uh, yeah, Karen. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, is, there are different ways people ask these kinds of questions and some, I, some are asking kind of like, in a direction like it doesn't really matter what we do in this life because God's just gonna <laughs> clean it up afterwards and so that's uh just th this is what the bible is is calling our attention to like don't don't just uh do ne choose negativity over and over because it's going to make it harder and harder for you but yes other people ask this question worried <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because if you have any, like even the smallest desire to turn away from your negativity, God's going to use that and get you to heaven. So 
it, it is only when people just reject, reject every offer all through this life. And then in the afterlife, when you've had your life review, you've seen all the results of what you've done. You've had every opportunity to wake up and let's try this and let's try that. Um, only if you've rejected, 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 um, do you go to hell? So um, if, if there's any desire or any regret, the Lord's going to use that to pull you in the other direction. So there's there's no need to fear. <laughs> awesome. Couple of announcements. First is we're in our bonus time. Get out of that crept up. Thank you everyone who made it possible. Here we are. Speaking of that, Aresti gave and Sharon gave. Oh, and Aresti said thanks for the good work. Oh. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying it. Ew. We're up to 379 total dollars. Wow. Taking, uh, with Sharon's gift as well. So thank, thank you. you everyone for your Thanks. support of what we're doing. And to show you we mean it, we're going to do another question. This is from Preliminimal, who asks, is my artistic style of painting or drawing something that I was doing before this life? Hmm. I asked because I think I was an artist in spirit before this body. The first thing I think of is hereditary good. We were talking mm. about hereditary evil that you can have negative tendencies passed down from generation to generation. Can't that kind of stuff happen? But any uh, any direct uh, thoughts on that from from any of you, Karin? I would say you're probably in close spiritual association with artistic people in the afterlife. I think that's how Swedenborg would explain it. That you are have kindred spirits in the afterlife that um, really are sharing their memories with you and their artistic inspirations and all sorts of things from, from their artistic love. So I think that's how Swedenborg would see it. That's cool. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. I love, there was a, uh, I wish I had her name in mind, but I don't, uh, but there's this young virtuoso uh, composer, uh, a young girl in, from England um, who is very open about how she, she knows that she has certain composers who are with her, who uh, have, who, who she sort of gets to share their music through her compositions. And she was, you know, I think she's like eight, eight years old or, so, or something and just is now creating operas and everything, but she, she, uh, it's just this sort of amazing sort of awareness that she seems to have of these composers, which, you know, people could interpret that however they want. But from, from my perspective, I would think, yeah, she's connecting with um, composers in the, in, in the afterlife and they're, you know, collaborating on things. Like, I think it's awesome to think about how we are never doing, I mean, obviously in ancient times, people talk about muses and stuff because it's like, whenever we undertake something creative we're not we're not exactly doing it alone but that's like in a in a fun way you know like <laughs> there's more um cool connections and so it's fun to think about the spiritual community that preliminal might be connecting to uh in her art i think if you were another eight-year-old in like a songwriting competition for that one like she's getting help from like multiple <laughs> hundreds of year old spiritual composer. Ah! Anyway, let's, let's do another one. This is from Matt Klein. 
who asks, and this is related to our topic of the week, does Swedenborg give any explanation for when and why the way of understanding was lost? What caused it? How come uh, we took a step backwards? Don't we take steps forward as the human race? Why, why don't we have this knowledge of correspondences if it's so great uh, anymore? Karen? It is completely connected to um, ego issues, <laughs> lower ego issues, because Swedenborg learned that what we can understand is directly, as far as spiritual heavenly information, is directly related to if, if our heart wants that information. And the, the deeper meanings, the spiritual meanings of the word, the ancient word of correspondences, um, that's open to us, uh, was open to humanity because their hearts were interested in heavenly things interested in God and, you know, it, and as the interest started to get more and more um, materialistic, you know, more interested in physical world things than spiritual world things and more uh, divisive, more self-centered, more, uh, you know, as, as people got more sense oriented, physical sense oriented, um, there got to be power <laughs> struggles, um, you know, uh, competitions of, of thought. Um, and so that those kinds of attitudes close off the deeper understanding because that's not being interested in heavenly wisdom, which is all about love and union and God saving everybody and that kind of thing. And so for instance, our current Bible has a lot of stories about battles, like earthly battles between peoples, different groups of people. And think about it, humanity got, it's it, the deeper meaning is about the battles that go on in our own minds and spirits between good and evil. But people got really, on earth, got really interested in physical battles, like trying to conquer this nation and conquer that nation. So if that's the way you're, if that's where your interest lies, that's how you're going to start to interpret any, um, any scripture you're going to see, we, we all see everything through the lens of our interests of, and what we care about. And so what we, even, even to the point of what we see, you know, is, is uh, colored by what, what our interests are. And so um, it's, it's just interesting to me as the mythologies uh, sort of developed over the centuries and centuries, um, how much those gods were battling with each other, you know, it's just sort of reflects um, humanity's divisive uh, nature as 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 we got more and more into a fallen state. So I would say um, the understanding started to disappear because when you start stop being interested in the deeper aspects of love and spiritual growth and things, you you can't you can't fathom that anymore. You're just you're more interested in in uh, just the physical level. So that's just kind of how it works. Yeah, great rundown of what happened to get us where we are. Anything you, uh, Chelsea or Cara, to add to that? Makes me think of, well, why isn't there the Carolina parakeet anymore? There used to be this parakeet that lived in the United States, um, but it, it died out. It went extinct. So there are some species, I don't know if the Carolina parakeet is really one of these, but there are some species that you can't 
have without an intact ecosystem that, that are much more vulnerable and fragile than some of the ones we have around still, that as soon as there was large scale disruption of the way land was used and the way that the ecosystem functioned and they died out, they're gone. They just can't, they can survive only in a pristine environment. And so you think about the complexity of an ecosystem and the complexity of the natural world. And of course, if, if one thing gets messed up, you lose these really fragile rainforest type species that we're losing all the time. It's the same kind of thing with human beings. And that if you start to, there's real consequences to just trashing the divine design inside of us, you lose things. And I guess one of these, we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. We can't have <laughs> correspondences. Not even really because the, the can't have nice things sounds like it's God being punitive, but it's it's more like those those nice things, the knowledge of correspondence is so complex and depends so much on this intimate connection with heaven that you just can't mess with systems like that. You can't just pour pour Cheerios into a, you know one of these computers without it breaking, right? So um, yeah, so great, great. Okay, we are at the, uh, Cara, did you have any final thoughts? Anyone have any final thoughts? We're at the end of our situation here. Um, before I rattle off the ending credits, does anyone? Oh, my closing thought doesn't have to do with that, but just that I looked up the name of the composer I'm talking, I mentioned, and her name is Alma Deutscher, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I know that there's a cool documentary about her out there. So pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I, well, you've certainly intrigued me. Uh, I love the idea of, that's kind of cute, like eight-year-old girl who's who's doing these things that are way better than I can do. But she's saying, "Well, this is how it's happening." There's somebody talking to me and telling me to do this, and it's awesome. Um, hey, thanks everyone for your donations. We had a ton of people contribute today. <laughs> we raised three hundred seventy-nine dollars from seven donors with one brand new donor. So so great to have you all supporting us thank you so much everyone can't wait for next month's raffle so you can all get some things out of it thanks to everyone who supported what we're doing thanks for the great questions uh thank you to the panel i got love just getting to sit here and and get great spiritual food and drink uh from y'all so really appreciate you you spending some some time here it was great as usual thanks everybody for asking your questions and submit them underneath the shows if we didn't get to them. Yeah, thanks everybody. So great to talk to you. Great questions and hope just our conversations can help spark more thoughts in your minds. Yeah, thanks so much. I feel like I get to respond to questions, but these are such amazing questions. So it really makes me think and it's fun to get to like ponder these different things uh, with everybody. So it's just, it's really fun. Thanks. Absolutely. And I want to echo the point. Well, the points everyone made, but especially Cara here at the end saying, if you didn't make this live, the conversation goes on. Some of the very same people that you're hearing from on the computer right now are the ones who are answering your questions when they come in. So we, yes, as Karin said, we want this to spark thought and insight and spiritual growth. And so we can all go and do this super important stuff that we're saying the Bible is talking about. And of course we want to keep talking about that. So Come chat with us anytime and we'll, we're happy to, to have that conversation. All right. Thanks again to the panel. Thanks to everyone watching. And don't forget, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, let's see. We've got, oh, we've got um, next Monday. We're like very soon. We're debuting our brand new show. 
that's called Chasing Swedenborg, which is a rundown of like, how do I use Swedenborg in my actual life? What was this stuff when I'm not doing a show? What's, how do I actually try to apply this stuff to make it work for me? Uh, and the first Sweden, Chasing Swedenborg episode is called, Why Didn't Being Spiritual Get Rid of My Depression? Why, why do I have any problems? Aren't I Swedenborg saturated? So we're so excited to have that happen next Monday. Uh, so join us for the Inside Off the Left End podcast on Sunday, that show on Monday, every other show from now to eternity. It's great having you here, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day.